everyone and welcome back to the Empowerment Series podcast. For the month of March, we invited Pam Vidaro to come talk about what parents and kids should be thinking about for college admissions. I know college admissions can be very stressful and it's top of mind for many of our clients and Pam provided a ton of really great information and can be a great resource. I just want to plug our next two Empowerment Series events before we dive into the episode. On April 12th, we have Estate Planning for Serenity and Empowerment with Ellen Glickman-Simon. I think that'll be a really great episode. And on May 10th, we have Live Big Without Sacrifice with Rochelle Seltzer. Rochelle will be talking about what it means to live big and how you can bring all of your greatness into the world and live a truly fulfilling life. So definitely looking forward to both of those Empowerment Series events as well. And of course, the podcast will come out following each of those events. So without further ado, let's dive right into the episode. So thank you, Pam, for joining us today on our Lexington Wealth Management Empower Women Series podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about what parents and kids should be thinking about for college admission. So Pam has been a friend of the firm for many, many years, and she has worked with many of our children and young adults before they've made their journey off to college. Um, She has just an amazing amount of knowledge. Pam, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to college advising? Sure. Well, thank you for having me again. I enjoy doing these podcasts and answering questions and helping people. Um, Yeah, so I um, started this new career for myself um, at Lexington Christian Academy. I was the assistant director of college advising there and loved that job, loved working with the kids. It was a private school, um, K through 12. Um, And then I decided, you know what, I want to do this on my own and under my own schedule. So I went off on my own in 2016 and I've been doing it ever since. And I enjoy it. I love it. Um, work with mostly students that are sophomores and, and you know, through senior year. Um, and my own practice, personally, I do a comprehensive package. So I work from the beginning to the end. So beginning of wherever they start to the end when we're done and trying to figure out where to go in the end because of all their acceptances. So, (laughs) well, that's exciting. And so hopefully they're all getting tons of acceptances. Um, I know we've talked in the past, so I have a few questions and areas that I want to touch on with you. Um, But the first thing, and you mentioned this before, but having conversations about what they like is super important. So talk a little bit about that. Yes. I think it's really important to try and explore their interests, the students' interests. So how would you do that? Well, through conversation with parents about, oh, you know, what classes are you taking? What do you like about the classes? What don't you like about the classes? What are you doing for extracurriculars? It might be art or dance or sports, you know. What do you like about those things as well? And how do you explore them, right? How do you explore your interests? Well, it's really starting with conversation. And then maybe you have a family friend that is doing work that they find interesting. How can you explore that? Well, maybe they would allow them to do a job shadow, you know, shadowing them at work for a couple of days in a week. Um, Or it might be 
they're interested in a particular area of, they love physics and they wanna explore that area. Some of my students actually just read books and they write down the books they read and what they find interesting. Some have mentors they talk to in high school. If it's a teacher, they'll say, oh, I really love doing this. And they might even get into research with that teacher or the teacher knows of research that's going on. Um, so it's teaching your kids to think about what they're doing and maybe what they like doing at the time so they can explore their interests. And, you know, sometimes they explore their interest and they find they're not so interested in it, but they learn from that experience. And they also, they get confidence from knowing they know how to explore those interests. And that also leads to understanding how to network. You know, talking to a teacher about an interest might lead to, oh, I know of this program you can do in the summer, or I have a friend that can talk to you about that area. So it allows the kids to understand how to talk to other adults, how to network with other adults or other students, and it becomes a confidence building situation. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think it's great. It's, it's funny sometimes when you ask them what they like, you'll get that answer. You know, I don't know, <laughs> the classic, I don't know. But I think if we ask it in some of those different ways um, and guide them a little bit, they'll find what they're really, you know, what makes them happy and what they're passionate about. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, colleges in general, like what are they looking for from the students today? Yeah, so of course, my number one is going to be the classes they take in school that they're challenging themselves each year and grades. Those are still number one, both mm -hmm. of those things. Yeah. Um, and the other thing would be what we just spoke of, like following their interests, showing that they're trying to figure out what they like and what they want to do. Yeah. And if they already like something that shows up, right, they would be doing that nine through 12 because yeah. they're continuing what they like to do. Um, so I would say that those are the top three things that colleges look for. Um, yes, they're still looking for test scores as well, uh -huh. but there is an option to do test optional at many schools, and that makes sense for some students as well to apply test optional, um, but test scores would be in the running as well. But colleges really want to know, if I accept you at my school, what are you going to do here beyond the academics? They want involved students. They want students that, gonna, that are going to not only participate in the classroom, asking questions, making that class more interesting, but on the campus and beyond the campus, reaching out into the community, right. community service. So that community service would also be a really important thing to do in high school and continuing on into college. So what, what advice do you have for the students today that have had a tough time during, you know, the past few years has been limited community service things, you know, unfortunately, because of COVID. Um, how do you, 
I guess, advise them, you know, how can they be creative and, and get access to community service? Yeah, I think sometimes community service um, sounds more complicated than it is, right? Um, community service, if you break it down, it's reaching out to people. Um, so during COVID, I'll give you some examples. When everybody was in lockdown and kids were not going to school, they were only online, parents were home, um, everybody was really being careful. Um, I had students that were shopping for the elderly. I had, that is community service. I had students that were babysitting some kids that while mom and dad were working in the house, they went outdoors with them and played outside with them. I had students that missed being on teams. So they decided to work with some of the kids that in the neighborhood that were a little younger, but like were looking up to them to say, oh, he knows how to play soccer. So, you know, I'll give them lessons and the kids loved it. So they felt like they were still training for their sport to prepare when it opened up. Right. So community service can be simpler than you think. It doesn't have to be an organized, I have to work for the Red Cross or I have to be at Leahy Clinic. Those certainly are great things. But as you know, we haven't been able to do those types of activities lately. So it does take some creative thinking, but sometimes it's easier than you think and people are looking for help. Yeah. Even something as simple as clean up your local park or yes, do something just to be outdoors and get involved and show that you're, you know, caring yeah. about your community. Yeah. I mean, I usually look at that particular student and say, okay, what are the things that I see that they're loving, that they love talking about, or they like to do? Right. Um, and it might be like, if you like to ski, well, help some of the younger kids out, teach them how to ski. Or soccer, teach them, you know, some how to prepare to um, try out for some of the teams coming up. So use what you love and try to give to the community. Yeah, in those ways. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about um, recommendation letters and how kids go about getting those. Yes. So recommendation letters have become extremely important because it's a way that the colleges can um, kind of validate what they're seeing in the essays and the applications. Um, is the student motivated? Um, do they work at, you know, in, in the classroom the way they should? If they're having a difficult time, did they get out of that difficult time? So Recommendation letters are important and it's important for the student to think about what teachers know them best and can write to them, write to their experiences. Now that has been hard too, right? Because of COVID, the kids weren't in the classrooms a lot. So I have some kids that are like, okay, well, freshman year, I wasn't in school. Sophomore year, I was in half the year. So that kind of presents a problem up until this year. Um, so this year, my advice to the kids that were in that predicament is whenever you feel behind or you're having trouble, tell the teacher you want to meet with them. Tell them that you're having trouble keeping up in whatever you're, you're having trouble with. Meet with them one-on-one -on -one and get to know them. 
And I also tell them, you know, just because you're having trouble, you're afraid to ask, it's actually a good thing to have a problem and work your way out of it. That's a good thing. And so I try to have the kids understand that. And then they feel more confident in going and asking for the help and getting to know that teacher. So it's important to get them into the teachers one-on-one, get to know them, ask questions, wait until the end of the class and ask a few questions, but it's, it's time spent. They have to plan that out. And that also goes for their guidance counselor. Now in public schools, the guidance counselors probably have 250 kids to deal with. Right. Um, they say, make an appointment with me in this time frame. And sometimes kids do it. Sometimes they don't. And they keep asking them. The kids that I work with make sure they go more than once because that guidance counselor is writing a recommendation letter. They're saying, I've known this student usually for the four years and I've been their guidance counselor. So you want the guidance counselor to understand, well, what are you thinking about for college? What are your interests? What are you doing in school? Talk to them about it. And if you have questions about particular classes that you're wondering if you should take, talk to them about it. Um, If you're wondering about the offerings at the school that they have, like some schools are offering you know, college-based classes during the day in school. Well, if that's offered, ask them about it. Ask them if you're, if you can take those classes. Right. Um, you get to know your teachers and get to know your guidance counselor because they are writing important letters of reference for you. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, what about, you know, you mentioned a little bit about testing and test optional um, but can you just talk a little bit about more about the different like types of tests that colleges are looking at? And then I guess just a little bit, dig a little bit deeper into the whole testing thing with schools. Yeah. So um, there's the SAT and they always called that an East Coast test because it's been it started around the East Coast. ACT is Midwest to California And those kids are more familiar with that. But nowadays, the tests are interchangeable. You can take the ACT or the SAT and they will be accepted at any school, not one over the other. Um, So whichever one you're more comfortable taking, that's the test you should take. Um, You're recommending that kids actually take both a practice test and both to see which they're more comfortable in. Yeah. So because now the the tests used to be like four years ago, the tests were very different. SAT was a reasoning test. ACT was a test that kids felt more comfortable with because it's how they learned in the classroom or common core um, kinds of ways of learning. And so as kids figured out that the ACT was easier to understand because that's the way they learn in the classroom, SAT lost business to ACT. And 2013, SAT as a company figured that out and said, we have to change this. We're losing business. Now the two tests, because SAT went through a redesign, now both of the tests are very similar. Um, Different, but, but similar in many ways. Um, so I still, as a, as a 
as a recommending counselor, have them take both practice tests to figure out which they feel more comfortable taking. And we stick with that test. Okay. That being said, SAT is now redesigning and will be on the computer and it will be a very different test in another couple of years. And they will be seeing that this fall as a PSAT. They will be online. They will still be proctored and in the school, but it will be a redesigned test that will be shorter than the three-hour test. It'll be a two-hour test. So we're going through another redesigned phase coming up. But given the situation now, um, I would first determine which test to study to and decide if the student is not a test taker and having a lot of trouble, there are test optional schools that will be appropriate for them. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about other options like community college um, and things like, and talk a little bit about gap years. We hear kids talking about gap years. Talk about those two things. Yep. So gap year to start with, um, well, we've had very few um, students taking gap years lately because it usually involves travel or working in a company. Um, but a gap year is a formalized program that a student wants to do before starting their college years. In other words, they've gotten into a college and they're asking for time off before they start. And the college needs to approve that time, usually by a written program that the, so that they can look and approve of that program for the gap year. Um, and I haven't had so many of those happen because of COVID, but um, you know, maybe that will pick up again. I'm not sure, but that's what a gap year is. And what to be cautious of is making sure that the college approves of that gap year and to have a plan. A gap year is not just to you know, flit around doing nothing for the year. Right. Um, it's getting in first and asking for the time off second and getting okay. it approved and having an experience. Okay. So different from the student that maybe just isn't quite ready to go off to college, that would be something yeah. that they look at like a community college year or something else. Yep. Yeah. I mean, community college would be a great um, place for that student to go. Um, and experience college and that college level of work um, and then potentially transfer from there or um, go on to state school from there. Um, it's a great place for students that maybe had trouble and wanted to see if college was even for them. You know, right. do I, do I want to go? It's a less expensive option as well. So right. For many students, that's, that is a really good option. So it's a good segue into the whole financial conversation um, and talking about, you know, the cost of college with your student. T talk a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, when I work with families, um, what I say is think about it at the front end, what your family, you know, how you afford college and have that discussion with your student. Because the last thing that you wanna do is get, the, get at the end of this journey and find out they fall in love with a school that the parents are not gonna be able to afford. 
Um, So it's better to know, well, you know, some parents want the kids to have a piece of the pie. And if so, it, that's a good time to say, you know, we want you to take out um, lower interest student loans and we want you to pay off that loan at the end of this. Um, Whatever you're thinking as a parent, maybe you have four or five kids and you know, it's not a, it's maybe it's not even about affordability. It's just what you feel the students should be responsible for. Maybe you want them to have, um, you know, a piece of the pie that they're responsible for. But have the talk up front rather than waiting till the end, because there could be a lot of disappointment and, and sadness in the end if that school that they ended up falling in love with is way too much money for the family to afford. Okay. And then there's, there's financial aid and then there's merit aid. Right. So the merit aid is um, money that is given from the school to a student because they want that student. They're saying, we love your grades or, and or your test scores. We want you to be part of our community. So we're offering you this merit money in hopes that you will come to our school. And normally that student would be on the high end of the percent uh, of admit for that school. And, um, you know, they would want you to come to the school. So that's called merit aid. And you would get money to go there each year. Um, versus need-based aid, which is based on what your family finances are, and you go through the FAFSA, and it's determined that your family is in need of support for that school. Um, There's a net price calculator on every college website, and I would tell every family to look at those And what you would do is plug in information, the GPA of the student, um, a PSAT score, um, family finance information. And at the end of that, you'll get a really good idea of um, what, how you will afford that school, what you would be given for merit, if any, um, if you would be getting need money, you'll have a good picture of what that's going to look like. Okay. Um, we didn't touch on at all, like once you picked your major, maybe doing some volunteer work in that area or job shadowing. Do you want to just quickly talk yeah. about that? That's really important right now because colleges really want to see, as I said, beyond finding your interests, exploring your interests. So juniors and seniors that I have, um, I recommend figuring out if that career or that major is something that you're truly interested in. Find a family friend that might have a job that you're interested in, job shadow with them a couple of days a week in the summer or even during the year, if you can work that out. Um, Get experience at a hospital if you're interested in medicine. Um, volunteer, com- do community service in particular areas of interest. You want to explore the interests that you're thinking about so that you have an idea of, yeah, I have an interest as, as a major, or yeah, I really want to follow in this career. Okay, that's good. Um, so we're coming to uh, towards the end of our talk here for listeners, but um, just quickly, I wanted to talk about, you know, tours and visiting schools and then the application process. Mm-hmm. 
So um, really important online because of COVID, fortunately for students, there's great tours online, um, virtual tours and virtual admission sessions. Also, many have opportunities to speak to students online. So the kids I work with do that when they do their research for each college. Also important, especially now that colleges are opening up, get on the campus. That's the only way, especially if it's in another state, a lot of kids wanna explore other areas, states, um, go there. You need to walk around the campus, drive around the area, see if it's really, is it close to the airport? Can you get a shuttle home? Um, make sure that you know the commute is right for you and you can only experience that if you go there. Now, that being said, I'm not saying that if the student's applying to all you know, West Coast schools that you have to be flying back and forth constantly, but I will say that one trip for to see a couple of schools would be important. Then apply, do, do your due diligence with your research. Um, you can all, always call admissions and ask questions, apply. If you get in, you'll have another opportunity to go and visit. And that's when you know that you're in and you can compare, go to the accepted student days and figure out which school to go to. But yes, in the beginning, it's really important to get to some schools so that you know what is a big school? What is a small school? Do I want those? Do I want in the city? Do I want in the suburb? Do I want to look at both? Right. Um, even if it's in another state, you can still locally take a look at what a big school is versus a small school, right? Or or some other attribute that you're you're thinking, wondering about. But the application process. So we have common app and then other kinds of applications. Yeah, most common is the common app. It's um, it makes it really easy to apply to schools now, and that's why so many colleges are getting so many applications. Um, but there are schools that still have their own applications. Um, mostly they're filling out the common app and then it's not such a big deal to have another application to do because you've already put that information into common app and it's a matter of just copying and pasting into the new application. You might have a few new questions, but not such a big deal. Um, so the application filling out is not, in other words, filling out the application is not such a big deal. Right. It's more about the supplement essays they may have to do and the Common App main essay that they have to do. Okay. Um, that takes more time and energy to work on, I would say. And, and then co some colleges are requiring interviews. Yes. And then the interviews that may or may not. Um, now, because of COVID, I have seen less of that. Some online ones. We'll see what happens this year. Not sure where right. they're going to go with that. Um, but yeah, interviews, you have to make sure if they offer, you should do it. Okay. It's another way of the school getting to know, and it's in your favor. If you're, if, if you're offered an interview, it's a good thing. Cool. 
Well, this has been great. It's, there's been a ton of information that you've shared here. Um, our listeners can definitely connect with you uh, if they reach out to us at Lexington Wealth or um, your email address. Do you want to just share that quickly? Yes, it's Pam Vadaro, P-A-M-V-A-R-D-A-R-O at gmail.com. That's great. And so thank you very much today for your time. We really appreciate it. And um, we will see you soon. Yes. Thanks for having me again. I enjoyed it. The Empowerment Series was created by Lexington Wealth Management to offer a space for women to come together and feel supported by one another in a safe, judgment-free environment. When we share our experiences and knowledge, we are able to learn from each other. Our mission is to empower women and girls from all walks of life to speak up, ask questions, and learn. The Empowerment Series takes place on the second Tuesday of every month at noon, and the podcast follows. Thank you for listening. Lexington Wealth Management is a team of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA SIPC, and Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with SEC. All securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is risk-free, and there is no guarantee that the investment process described herein will be profitable. Investors, investors may lose all of their investments. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance. It is not a guarantee. In preparing these materials, we have relied upon and assumed without independent verification the accuracy and completeness of all information available from public and internal sources. Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as to their accuracy or completeness or for statements or errors contained or in omissions from them. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the author and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Third-party links and references are provided solely to share social, cultural, and educational information. Any reference in this post to any person or organization or activities, products, or services related to such person or organization or any linkages from this post to the website of another party do not constitute or imply endorsement, recommendation, or favoring of Lexington Wealth Management or Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates, employees, or contractors acting on its behalf. Hightower Advisors LLC does not guarantee the accuracy or safety of any link site. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax law is very based on the clients' individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for related questions. Copyright 2021 Hightower.